It has been four months and 21 days since I have said the following words on this podcast. It is game day for the Vegas Golden Knights. Actual hockey is officially back in the National Hockey League. Welcome back, everyone. How are you doing? I know it's been a couple of days. Had a few things come up that have been preventing me from doing this show. But as I mentioned yesterday on Twitter, if we were going to do any other podcast for the rest of this week, it was going to be a pregame pod. And it has been a long time since we have had actual hockey to talk about here on the show. And we're going to do that today. How are you all doing? Welcome back, everyone, to Locked On Golden Knights, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It is Thursday, July 30th, 2020. We are playing hockey in July. It is the weirdest concept I've ever seen in my life. But you know what? It feels good. And it feels normal. And I think that's what we've all been hoping for for the last four plus months is that little bit of normalcy to get us through everything that we have struggled through for the last four plus months since the league paused on March 12th due to COVID-19. And I think we can all agree that it's just a good thing to have hockey back in a in, while it is a weird way in a just in a way in general. I am Danny Webster. I am your host. And I do appreciate you stopping by for today's episode in which we will break down the first game for the Vegas Golden Knights since March 9th. You'll recall March 9th was the last time the Golden Knights, ironically enough, played a game. And it was also in Rogers Place where the Golden Knights will set up shop hopefully for the next two months in the event that they bring a Stanley Cup to Las Vegas. They will be taking on the Arizona Coyotes in an exhibition game later tonight, 7 o'clock. The game will be aired locally on the NHL Network. It will be carrying the Fox Sports Arizona feed, so please don't don't get mad if you don't hear the uh, usual sounds of Dave Gosher and Shane Knighty. At least for now, they will be back on Monday calling the round-robin game against the Dallas Stars. So let us uh, get right into it because, you know, just the thought of talking about matchups and hockey and lines, it just seems normal than what we've done since we've come, since we've come back really for the last month or so. And, and it's just a really good feeling to be able to sit here and dissect the game and actually have something to talk about and really lean towards something to talk about later on. As we get into next week with the round robin games, it's going to be fantastic. Next week, uh, I'm the Locked On Avalanche show and the Locked On Stars show have shared a crossover episode uh, that we all did. Chris, Josh, Kenneth, and myself recorded a crossover episode uh, talking about uh, the respective teams that we talk about on this podcast. And it was a pretty long episode, very uh, fun to do and it will be posted in a couple of parts next week so you can look forward to that where we discuss our teams how we got to this point uh, where the golden knights are where the stars are where the avalanche are uh, our brethren at the blues at lockdown blues were not able to join us but it was still a good chat to have so be on the lookout for that 
uh, in your feeds next week. But for now, we have a game to discuss, and that is the first game since March 9th, a 3-2 win over the Edmonton Oilers in overtime. The game that essentially gave the Golden Knights the Pacific Division title, locked them in the in the number three spot in the Western Conference, and put them in this position to say, you know what, you can go ahead and play three games and you'll get an automatic berth into the round of 16 where the teams will actually play for the Stanley Cup. Had Vegas lost that game in regulation, it would have been a completely different story, and I think I've touched on it before in a pod, but it is what it is, and now we can talk Golden Knights, Coyotes, tonight, 7 o'clock on the NHL Network. First thing, and the most important thing, well, I guess depending on how you view important, uh, Marc-Andre Fleury will be the one getting the start tonight in net and the plan is for Flurry to play the entire game. Pete DeBoer has mentioned that he wants to split two games apiece between Robin Leonard and Marc-Andre Flurry. Now, if we're going off the one-on, one-off uh, mindset that we have seen ever since Leonard was acquired at the trade deadline, my guess would be that we will see Flurry tonight, and then Monday we will see Robin Leonard. And then Flurry will go against the Blues on the 6th. And then Leonard will take on Colorado on the 8th. Now that's not yet confirmed. It could very well be Flurry gets the next two, which means he gets the one tonight. And then he gets the one Monday against Dallas. I, I mentioned, I believe it was last week, that I think it would be a good idea to put Leonard against those two, St. Louis and Colorado, just because it'd be a different matchup for those teams in particular because they haven't seen Leonard in a Golden Knights uniform. And I think it would be good to see a different goalie, especially one of Leonard's caliber, in that position against the two uh, the two top teams in the Western Conference. Now, I don't think that is going to happen, but if it does happen, at, le- at least we'll see where Leonard stacks up and where the Golden Knights stack up with him in net. But for now... It is Marc-Andre Fleury getting the call tonight in the net. The other big story that I think uh, we need to make sure that we cover here is that Max Pacioretty has still not arrived in Edmonton, to our knowledge. Um, Golden Knights released a practice video yesterday, very brief one, and did not see any signs of number 67. I I think if he were to show up, Vegas would you know, let it be known that he showed up. So to this point, it does not look like at also at the time of recording, which, you know, 427 in the morning, it does not appear that Max Pacioretty will be in the lineup tonight for the Golden Knights at puck drop, which means if we're going based off of the minute video evidence that we have to this point, uh, Chandler Stevenson will be on the top line with William Carlson and Mark Stone. Second line will be Paul Stasny centering with Riley Smith and Jonathan Marchessault. Third line will be likely Nick Cousins on the left, Nick Waugh centering with Alex Tuck on the right, and then the fourth line is likely to be the usual fourth line that we know of William Carrier, Tomas Nosek, and Ryan Reeves. Defense pairing is pretty much the same thing also that we've been accustomed to. Brady McNabb and Nate Schmidt will be the top pairing likely. Second pairing will be Alec Martinez and Shea Theodore. And the third pairing is likely to be Nick Holden and Zach 
White Cloud. And again, 29 in net, and he is expected to play the full game. Now, we really don't have much in terms of lines for the Coyotes, but according to uh, Coach Rick Tockett, it does appear that Darcy Kemper will get the start tonight for the Coyotes in net, and it is expected that he will split time with Antti Ranta. So look for the Coyotes goaltending duo to split time tonight. I think this game is going to be very telling in a couple of ways. And and I know we shouldn't put a whole lot of stock in exhibition games. I don't think any team, at, at least from the outside perspective, you know, us who watch the games, us who cover cover the teams that we cover, I don't think we're looking at this as, oh, if this exhibition game goes south, there's going to be this, this, and this to take care of. I don't think it's gotten to that point just yet. But I think this game is going to be telling for for multiple reasons. Number one, I believe that this is going to be an interesting challenge for the Golden Knights. They don't have many games against this current look of the Coyotes with Taylor Hall in the lineup. And to be fair, Pete DeBoer does not have any games against the Coyotes with Taylor Hall in them. Uh, He's only coached against the Coyotes once this year. Uh, Taylor Hall made his Arizona debut on December 17th in San Jose, six days prior is when DeBoer got fired from San Jose. So this is really a new challenge for DeBoer's system to kind of see a, how do the Coyotes look in a potential, you know, seven game series, should it get to that point? And two, uh, is there anything different than what he's used to when he's seen the Coyotes prior to Taylor Hall? getting into Arizona. So I think I think it's going to be very interesting in how that goes. And it's also going to be interesting to see how a healthy Arizona team looks. I mean, you look at how injuries just completely rocked them before the pause and the fact that they were still able to get some very great production from Taylor Hall that if they can put it all together and if they can put things together at the right time, Arizona could be a sleeper in this whole Western Conference. And I, and I mean, we're talking about this as if, you know, it's just Arizona. We're talking about the possibility of 24 teams keeping this thing completely wide open. And I think that's what's going to make these playoffs so exciting. And I think that's what's going to make at least the Western Conference exciting because you can think of any possible storyline. And if it sticks it's a good enough reason to say that this team can win a Stanley cup or at least get to the cup final out of the West. There are a lot of teams that you can say that about, but it'll be interesting to see how that pans out. Um, Golden Knights coyotes tonight at seven o'clock. It'll be aired locally on NHL network. And again, it will be the Fox sports, Arizona feed due to transmission errors. According to the golden Knights, it will not be the AT&T sports in that feed. So, 7 o'clock tonight, the puck drops. It will be oh so fantastic. It will be absolutely fantastic. What is also fantastic, I should tell you, is rockauto.com. You know we had to talk about rockauto.com. The boys at Rock Auto always got you covered for any of your auto parts needs. Because I'm telling you, I guarantee you, because especially now since the summertime, you're going to need that one specific part that is going to help your car get through the dog days of summer, especially now when you go outside in Las Vegas and it's like 125 outside, or at least it feels like 125. And you're just like, well, my car is not starting or my car feels a different way. 
where can I go to get the part that I know is going to fix my car? RockAuto.com is the place to do that. They have everything you need from taillights, from air belts to carpet to whatever it is you need. They got you covered. A family-run business for over 20 years. RockAuto.com is the place for all your auto parts needs. That's why I say all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. All you have to do when you check out and you go to the little box that says, How did you hear about us? All you have to do is write locked on and the guys will take care of you. RockAuto.com. All the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto. And a friendly reminder, friends, if you would like to follow the show and be updated on whether we post an episode or whether I run into technical difficulties and we can't get to a show on that day, uh, you can follow the show on Twitter at LockdownVGK. You can also follow me on Twitter at DannyWebster21. Or if you'd like to send an email for a future mailbag episode, you can do so to LockdownGoldenKnights at gmail.com. Those are the best ways to get in touch with the show. As I hit my chair, you know, hitting things, we're, we're back to normal if I'm hitting things just randomly on the podcast, I'm just saying. All right, so wanted to touch on just the overall feel the first two days of exhibition games. And other than the fact that it's really good just to have hockey back, and, and again, I know it's weird that we're talking late July and we're actually talking actual hockey games in late July. It, it's still a weird concept to me, but... I'm watching these first two days of exhibition games. I'm I'm watching not only how the players look, I'm watching really the overall presentation aspect of these games because you're you're talking about a situation with no fanfare. You're talking about just this. You're talking about these different camera angles. You're talking about pumped-in crowd noise. You're talking about literally every presentation element that you don't think should exist in a hockey game, and it does. And I've watched it for the last couple of days. And I, I, I gotta say, it it feels normal. It, it not just watching it, like feeling the game, listening to the game. It feels normal. The only gripe I would have is that I don't think the road team in an exhibition game should be getting crowd noise and should not be getting a goal horn and a goal song. I think that's the only thing that I don't like about it. But I'm pretty sure, since it is exhibition, they're gonna iron out the kinks and make sure it's good to go for when we get to the best of five and we get to the uh, the actual uh, round of 16. But I think watching the... I keep hitting... Jeez, I keep hitting my microphone. My God. <laughs> let, let, let me just stay still for like two minutes. That'd be great. What, watching these games, though, it, it feels like an actual hockey broadcast. And I, and I think you have to give it up to the uh, the broadcast teams for you know the respective teams. I was watching the Tampa and Panthers game yesterday and and it's definitely one thing when you are in the bubble calling these games. like I know NBC is they they have their guys perched up in Edmonton or they have them in Toronto. I think Tampa was doing its calls from Amelie Arena. So that was a little bit, you can tell the delay was there. I think the Minnesota people or and the Colorado people, at least from what it sounded like to me, they were actually in Edmonton for their game yesterday. And you could tell based on how they were calling the game, there were not really any delays. And it just seemed like a normal broadcast. If they were calling it remotely, 
they did a tremendous job. I think the Colorado Minnesota guys did a tremendous job calling that game. And and I know uh, at least watching the Islanders Rangers game last night, uh, Doc Emmerich did the call, I believe, from his home, which was absolutely i mean it seemed flawless like the way that nbc has gotten this thing pretty much down pat in this situation given the situation they're in is fantastic and and i i'm not entirely sure what that means going forward as far as uh you know when we get to the actual stanley cup playoffs are they going to have broadcast teams perched and in studio in in actual toronto and edmonton or if they're just going to continue calling it remotely. But I will say NBC, from their side of things, they had pretty much a flawless broadcast, at least it seemed like to me. Uh, calling it off a monitor, I think, just in that sense, is completely different. And and I think we'll get a sense of it for the Golden Knights round-robin games because I don't believe Dave Gosher and Shane Knighty are actually traveling to Edmonton I think they are staying back to call those games because I'm not even sure off the top of my head if they will be calling the uh the first round of the playoffs normally AT&T does um and normally the local broadcasts get at least the first round of the playoffs before it eventually goes to the national broadcast for the second round and beyond but it'll be interesting to see how they handle it if they are calling it remotely from Las Vegas I think it'll be uh, very interesting. One, how they project the emotion, and and I think that I think that's key for if you're watching a game at home. And at least to me, that's how I that's how I take all the play by plays and how I and how I view an actual game broadcast. If the announcer is feeding off the emotion of the crowd and if, is feeding off the the emotion of the of the moment, that's where I know I'm hooked. And like I'll I'll use I'll use Dave and Shane as a perfect example. When you listen to them call a game from T-Mobile Arena, it's it's so easy to get their emotion down packed. It's so easy to kind of get the feel of the crowd. It's so easy to get behind the the feel of the moment. And when if they are calling the games remotely from Vegas next week, it's going to be very interesting to see how they handle the canned crowd noise. It's going to be very interesting to see how they handle calling a game if they are remote, how they can project that emotion and they can project, you know, the the feeling that we want to feel whether it be as fans or whether it be as, you know, those covering the games, we want to know really what it feels like from their point of view and if they can express that through the TV to us at home, then I think it's going to make this situation in the in these very weird times a little bit easier than I think we can anticipate. And I think that's the really the challenge for all these broadcasters who are calling the games remotely. Like I was watching the the Colorado feed of the game last night against Minnesota uh, a little bit on NHL TV, and the one thing, and I think that goes back to my point of just letting the emotion feel through the TV, at least feel through the computer in this case, because when I watch Colorado games, I know what their broadcast team can do. I know what the people at altitude can do. I know just how passionate they are about the avalanche when they're calling the game. And I felt that like watching Nathan McKinnon score his goal yesterday, 
it, it, you know, it was the the true emotion of how he says, of how the announcer says Nathan McKinnon's name, and it was like, if he's calling the game remotely, that's fantastic. How he's handling it, given the situation. So, I think it is going to be interesting to see how the announcers handle this going forward, and I think it's going to be very interesting to see how we we view this in a broadcast way at least for the next couple of months because it is an exhibition thing so there're going to be a lot of things that they that even the broadcast teams and even the the production teams kind of iron out they're going to be ironing out the kinks of which camera to use in certain situations which cameras work which don't which visual on ice representations work and which don't so I think that's a good thing to have these exhibition games because really you have 24, what you would have, what, 12 tries really out of the 24 teams to see what works and what doesn't. And, you know, there are some things that work. I, I think the way that they've they've created the atmosphere like it is a game-like situation, I can only imagine how different it is for the players. And that is one thing I think tonight I'm going to be asking whoever comes to the podium uh, for the Golden Knights, just how did it feel being out there and did it feel like an actual game environment? That's going to be the one thing that I'm going to be looking at from that perspective. And just just the overall feel of how just the game looks and sounds. And I think if there's a way the NHL can perfect that heading into the qualifying series this weekend, I think that's going to go that's going to go a long way in making sure that one the spectator isn't bored of what's happening. And two, it keeps things refreshing and it keeps things lively. Because I, I think it's very clear, even though we're only one game in for most of these teams, it's very clear we're going to get the best product on ice that we possibly can get. If the NHL and NBC and the local broadcast, at least through the first few games here, if they can find a way to secure that emotion and make sure that the fans at home feel that other than just hoping for a big play. I think that's going to make a world of difference. And one of the things I go back to as far as this whole ordeal is concerned, the athletic did a poll where they uh, gathered different uh, executives and coaches and whatnot. As far as how do they feel the atmosphere will go in the bubble? And one of the questions to me was on the lines of that. And one of the answers they got were, will the players keep that excitement? Will the players be as excited? Because there's not really, there, there's no fans to, to get excited from. Can you get excited off crowd noise or, or funneled crowd noise? And I think that's also going to dictate a lot over these next couple of months is can the players find ways to get excited for themselves and get amped up for games the way that they normally can. So there are a lot of elements, a lot of elements that go into how we view a broadcast, how the broadcast is set up, but more importantly, how we consume the broadcast. And to me, that's going to be the most interesting thing over the next few games, especially as we get deeper into the playoffs, can the broadcast find a way to ensure that it is as enjoyable for the spectators as it is for them, so to speak. So that'll be interesting to watch for, especially starting next week when the Golden Knights broadcasts start their games. I'm very interested to see, one, if Dave and Shane are actually going to the bubble. Two, if they're not, how are they going to call the games from Las Vegas?
I'll be very interested to see that how that unfolds. But so far, the way NBC has portrayed this, everything to me looks great. I, I think there are a couple things they could work out here and there. But overall, I think the presentation has been great. I think that the way that they've handled just the overall necessity of what to put in games, I think has been fantastic. And it'll be very interesting to see how that continues to evolve going forward. You know what? It, it's been a long time since we've had a look around the league. What, what, why don't we say we take a look around the league, shall we? You know what? I did not plan to do that because I was thinking like, all right, let's just... Let's just uh, say goodbye and catch you all tomorrow for the uh, post-game pod, I suppose. But let's take a look around the league. There were five, what was it, three, four, five, six games last night, all varying in different levels of interest. And I say that because God help the Florida Panthers. They're in for a long ride if they keep playing like this and... Uh, five nothing. The Tampa Bay Lightning are the Tampa Bay Lightning. They looked amazing last night. Braden Point and Nikita Kucherov combined for four goals, and uh, you know you got to pay Sergey Bobrovsky sixty million more dollars. Like I, I know, I know the Panthers had to do it because they, they, they desperately needed a goaltending solution after Roberto Luongo retired. I understand that. But Sergei Bobrovsky is getting $60 million more million and he has not looked like that. Now, if Bobrovsky looks anything like he did in the playoffs last year, then Florida's got a chance, and I think that's what they're banking on. But I know one exhibition game, you can't put a whole lot of stock in it, but 5 nothing. If Florida's offense can't even get it going against Andre Vasilevsky, and I know Vasilevsky's a Vesna finals, the rating Vesna winner, but if they can't even get anything going, and if Bobrovsky's struggling like this, Ooh, it could be a quick route for the New York Islanders, who got a 2-1 to victory over the New York Rangers last night uh, in the quote-unquote battle for New York. Um, that Those two teams, to me, are going to be the very interesting, are going to be the most interesting ones in the East, because the Rangers, you know they're coming in hot, you know, Artemi Panarin being a heart finalist, and how good he was all year, and how good he's been with Mika Zibanejad. And then you look at the Islanders, complete different contrast in styles, but you have goaltending, which has always been strong under Barry Trotz. And then you have playoff Matt Barzal, which I think is always an exciting Matt Barzal. The New York team is going to be very interesting to watch in heading into the playoffs, and especially in their qualifying series. I think it's going to be, uh, I think it's going to be telling how they perform. And they could probably, they could scare their respective opponents in the uh, in the qualifying series. I, I think the New York teams are very scary. Uh, speaking of scary, uh, if Connor Hellebuck can continue this kind of performance, the Winnipeg Jets are going to be a tough out no matter who they face. They got a 4-1 win over the Vancouver Canucks last night, and Hellebuck was absolutely spectacular. 37 saves on 38 shots. Um, there, there's, a reason, there's a reason why Winnipeg is able to go as far as they can is because Hellebuck is that good. And if he can... If he can carry the Jets while they try to figure out their offense and try to figure out how to handle that whole ordeal, I mean, they're going to be fine. The Capitals got a 3-2 win over the Hurricanes last night. Alexander Ovechkin had a goal. The Hurricanes, they're one of those weird teams, man. Like, I love Carolina. I, I think that they have the pieces offensively and the pieces defensively. Um 
to make a run, it's the goaltending. It's it's Morozik, it's Reimer. I I don't know if they're I, I don't know if that's enough to get them even back to the Eastern Conference final. But they've got they've got the pieces to make it happen. I mean, we saw Sammy Votnin in there for the first time last night, and that that is a good sign to get a guy that you didn't think you were going to have going into the playoffs in a regular format, but now that he's healthy, I mean, he's there, and you got him. Vincent Trocek, I think people forget Vincent Trocek is now a Carolina Hurricane, which um, I, I kind of was surprised at until he uh, drew a penalty late in the third period, but... Um, Man, I love Carolina. I love Carolina. It's just the goaltending, and if the goaltending cannot perform in the playoffs, then it's gonna be a it's gonna be a long uh, it's gonna be a long playoff run for them. I touched on Colorado and Minnesota earlier. Colorado won three to two. I thought the over was gonna cash on that one. Uh, I, I was very surprised that we only got one goal in the final forty minutes after four goals in like what five minutes it felt it felt like. I thought that I thought if you picked the over, congrats on you if it was going to cash. Um, but three to two final Colorado, and I touched on this in the crossover pod that I, that I'm going to post later this week. To me, Colorado is the most dangerous team in the West. It, it, no disrespect to St. Louis and even Vegas, Colorado, and, and really I've been saying it all year. Colorado is the most dangerous team in the Western Conference just because they added the depth to complement. The McKinnon line, they've added pieces defensively through the draft that make them young, make them exciting, and make them very formidable. Colorado is going to be the team where I think you can have the superstar carry you all the way, but there is enough depth in the middle six, and even the bottom six for that matter, to where they can make a difference. And if they get to a point where... You know, it becomes a track meet, whether it becomes a, a, a high-scoring affair. It's going to be very tough to stop Colorado. So, to me, Colorado is heels above the competition when it comes to that. Speaking of St. Louis, uh, kind of a shocking one last night. And, again, I know I shouldn't put so much so much stock in these exhibition games. 4 nothing, the Chicago Blackhawks shut out the St. Louis Blues last night. Um, Dominic Kubelik had two goals. We even saw Malcolm Subban get into the game and he played fairly well. Corey Crawford got the start and was spectacular. I'm telling you though, Chicago is another team. I know they're the, they're the 12th seed and we really shouldn't be thinking of them that much, but you forget the championship pedigree they have, the, the veteran presence that they have. Chicago could be a very tough out against Edmonton. And I think whoever gets the top seed out of the round robin is looking at that Chicago Edmonton series a little bit more uh, intently than I think they would have before. I think Chicago really has a chance to be a very sneaky group. It's just something about the experience in this time of year to where it's like, oh, you got to get through a five-game series. Could you beat Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl? It would be tough, but they could. I'm not saying they will, but if it goes five games, I wouldn't be shocked. Chicago looked really good last night is basically what I'm trying to say. And with that, those are our six games. I I could look at the three games I missed on uh, Tuesday, but, I mean, we'd be here for a little bit while longer. Um, But, yeah, that is your look around the league, and that is going to do it for me today, ladies and gentlemen. Tomorrow, tomorrow, 
for sure. Post game pod. Again, for the first time in who knows how long, we're going to have a post game pod. Uh, we're going to talk about what in the world happened in this game. Did the Golden Knights look good? Did they look bad? Did did they uh, did all the scrimmaging and did everything that they talked about leading up to this point actually prove worthwhile? We're going to find out. It's going to be a lot of fun, and I think it's going to be it's going to be good just to see the Golden Knights back on TV and covering a game again, even if it's from the comfort of my own home. So I'm going to need my own press box snacks. I think just kind of make it feel a little bit more homey. But that will do it for me, everybody. Thank you for downloading, sharing, listening, subscribing, all of that jazz. Once again, you can follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnVGK. You can follow me on Twitter at DannyWebster21. If you want to send a review to Apple Podcasts, please do so. Rating and review is always help is always appreciated. You can uh, let me know how I'm doing on the show. You can give any feedback you feel is good, bad, or indifferent. Uh, it does not matter to me. Uh, all of it is in good fun, and all of it is enjoyable because... We're, I'm just a dude here talking about hockey. That's basically all I am. And and you know what? You know I'm I'm not the best talker sometimes, but I have fun coming on here when I can to talk hockey with you guys. And I hope you feel the same way. So thank you guys. We'll be back tomorrow. Post game pod. Look out for it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Until then, I am Danny Webster. This has been Locked On Golden Knights, part of Locked On Podcast Network. And I will see you tomorrow for sure, one way or another. Have a good day. Okay.